how casually sometimes we take the joy of salvation God the Father, thanks for loving us so much that the darling of heaven was crucified for us. God, teach us to be more grateful, to love you more deeply. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may have a seat. I don't know how many of you have ever seen a documentary on the soldiers that have taken as their post or their duty to guard the tomb of the unknown soldier. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's, it's amazing the level of honor that they go to they learn how to put on their uniform using a ruler to make sure everything is exactly where it's supposed to be. They are trained to take a certain number of steps and turn and head the other direction. They're they're trained to have a certain facial expression. They're trained that no matter what the weather nor what the time of day, that the routine and the ritual that they will follow to honor the unknown dead that have died for our country will be taken with the greatest level of respect and honor. And it's an incredible privilege. And they take that privilege on to honor people in an unknown tomb that represent every war and conflict that we've ever had as a nation. Today is an interesting today because today we could think about what we're going to talk about just simply on, uh, um, that's near the end of that, can we, um, we, we could take a look at today as simply a really vertical look, at a horizontal look at, at relationships with one another and, and how we treat each other, but today is about talking about kind of wrapping up this whole idea of walking before the Lord and walking as his beloved children as we take a look at two areas that every one of us either are in or have been in and are in or are retired from that are a big part of what life is for every single one of us. The big overarching idea, and the reason I brought up the whole idea of the tomb of the unknowns, is the reality is is that there is a group of men in our country that are taught to honor and respect and revere that place by how they act. And Paul, in the beginning of this journey of this walking out our faith, said that we are supposed to walk worthy 
We're supposed to walk worthy. Why? Because of the glorious grace that is ours. And he spent three chapters explaining in great detail the glorious grace that you and I have in our relationship with him. The chains that he's brought and the different aspects and the nuances to what grace means. And then in chapter four, he started by saying, therefore walk. And we've been talking about all these different pieces that go along with walking before for the Lord. We've, we've mentioned several of them, and we've talked about them. And then in chapter 5, as he's ending up this section, he says this. He says there, look carefully how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. And he challenges each one of us that we are supposed to walk wisely, walk with honor, Walk with sensitivity. In fact, as you go on in the study of this, he says more than just simply walking wisely, he says that we're supposed to walk spirit-filled. So there is this sense that when we are walking wisely before the Lord in a worthy matter, that there is his spirit which fills us up and instructs us how to walk wisely. Which is really good because I think that sometimes we have no clue. Have you ever woken up in the morning and you have these things in front of you? And if you're really honest, you should have prayed this. Dear God, I have no clue. What in the world am I supposed to do? God, I, I, I am overwhelmed by life and the details of life. And, and I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden, as you open yourself up, even at the beginning of your day to that, all of a sudden, there will be these small promptings in your spirit. And you'll just start walking it out, right? You'll sense that the Spirit is working in your life. So we're supposed to walk worthy, which means we're supposed to walk widely, wisely, which means that we're supposed to walk filled with the Spirit. And then at the end of this section of explaining what wise walking, Spirit-filled walking looks like, he said this in verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So basically, we're supposed to walk wisely, ultimately under Christ's authority that's over us. And if you go back to the beginning of this study in Ephesians chapter, I believe it's the either the beginning and end of chapter 1 or somewhere into chapter 2, it says that, that everything is under Jesus Christ's feet, so he has authority over everything. Now here's where we get in trouble. Occasionally... We decide there's an exception clause to God's authority. Have you ever done that? And we allow ourselves to mentally decide, well, in this one area, in this area of life, I can't imagine that God is how in any way in control of this area of life, so I'm going to give myself permission to not live under his authority. Because the person that's in authority over me in this area of life has nothing to do with God. And there's no way that they can be there. So now because I am giving myself permission to do that, I am giving myself permission that that person who I'm supposed to be under the authority of, I don't really have to listen to. I give myself permission because see, there's no way that they can be under God's authority because I'm going to overlook that book and that that verse in Ephesians that says that everything is under his authority. And I'm going to change it to almost everything is under his authority. Except for, and then I'm going to start creating my list. A child does this. 
And he says, I think that I'm under God's authority except for when my dad is being kind of squirrely. Then I, I don't have to listen then because I'm not really underneath his authority. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live under authority except for when mom's stressed out. <laughs> when mom's stressed out, I, I have the exception to not live under that authority. And that's what children do. And then we as adults, we, we would never play that game. And so we're no longer under our parents' authority. We, we looked forward to the day that we left and cleaved, and we, we moved out of their, their, you know, their, their house, and we could have our own place. I, I can remember getting my own place, and, and, and Nancy and I were married at this point, and, and we got the furniture from the 60s from my parents. I, I wish I had it now because it would be like you know, mid, mid-century modern and be really cool, but there was this one chair it was the brown chair that one person could sit in, and I thought it was a lazy boy recliner. And a proper person would sit in it, you know, with your arms here, but I like to sit across it. And every time I did that, my dad would say, don't sit in the chair that way, you know? And so when he was there, I wouldn't. But all of a sudden, it was my chair. <laughs> And I was no longer under his authority, and the chair was no longer under his authority. So do you know what I did the second we got back from our honeymoon and that chair was sitting in the living room? Do you know what I did? <laughs> I turned it into a lazy boy recrying, and it felt just so good. That's how we are, aren't we? We are that way. And, and see, being under authority means we have to do something. <laughs> It is something that none of us really like doing. We have to obey somebody. Did you ever think about that? We like to we like to call it different things, but the bottom line is what he's saying here is you need to obey one another out of reverence for God. And we're going, oh. You know, have you ever asked a group of people a question and then you realize as soon as they gave the answer that you wish you would have just decided beforehand? Because you are now accountable to what people think. So let's get into today's passage. See, the walk of, that is worthy and is wise is a walk in obedience. And as Paul is ending this whole teaching, he picks two areas. I've already mentioned them. He picks the family and he picks our employment And he says that these are two areas that you're going to have to walk out your faith. Okay? These are two areas. In the family, you're going to have to walk out your faith as a family. Okay? And he's going to talk both to children and parents, and he's going to say, okay, this is how you act under authority, and this is how you act as authority. And then he's going to do the same thing in in the area of employment. He's going to say, okay, this is how you act as an employee, And this is how you act as an employer. This is how you walk worthy. This is how you walk out your faith with wisdom. This is how you live spirit-filled. But most of the time, and maybe I'm just unusual in this, I struggle being under authority. I like being the authority. And then I like not even obeying myself as the authority. I like giving myself a break, saying, you know, have you ever said, I mean, this is how it's going to go, and then about an hour later you're going, well, it doesn't really have to go that way. (laughs) 
So let's take a look at what God's Word says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Kids know this verse. Do you know why? We quote it to them. We help them learn this verse. But we shorten it. We shorten it on our frustrated days to children, obey your parents. We shorten it to that. And we make it all about us and them. But this verse talks more about the whole scope of what obedience is than a lot of verses. Because it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay? One of the hardest things for me to do when my mother remarried was come to grips with the fact that God in his love for me decided I needed a step-parent. And he knew exactly what he's doing, and he picked exactly the right person for who I was at that time. I had many discussions with him about the fact that I would like to trade him back for my real father. And I had many discussions about the fact that occasionally I thought that maybe he had made a mistake. But usually the way I did it, I didn't say that God had made a mistake because, see, we don't talk that way. That would be irreverent. I just thought mom made a mistake. Now, as I've gotten older, I realize that the reason she married that man is she was afraid of me and she needed a man to take care of me. (laughs) But take a look at what it really says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. You see, everything horizontal has to be uh, so strongly tied to what is vertical. I, I obey you not because you've always got it together, because you are a sinful, fallible person. I obey you because I believe that God, in his sovereignty, even in some of the crazy things that you are your preferences, they're training ground that I need. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. You know, it's really hard for you to do that sometimes because of those exception clauses. In those exception clauses, without realizing it, what we're saying is, is God, you made a mistake. That's what we're saying. God, what were you thinking when you let that person be my parent? God, what were you thinking when, when dad died and mom replaced him with this guy? You know, God, what were you thinking Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And I like the last phrase because I think that this is really important. It says, for this is right. Kids, and I know there are some here. Kids, look up at me. It's right for you to obey your parents in the Lord. It's right for you to obey them. It's important for you to obey them. Children, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel right and you don't feel like doing it. I I like the fact that Paul ended this by just saying, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Obedience is the right thing to do. Obey, because it's right. Now, just for a second, I want you to think about something. The first member of the Trinity is called God the Father. And over and over again in Scripture, 1 John 1, chapter 12, chapter 1, verse 12 says that we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we become a part of his family, don't we? 
So see, this isn't just a verse for kids that are still living at home and are dependent on somebody else's income. This is a verse for all of us because we're all kids. And we all have a heavenly father. And obeying him is the right thing to do. As I thought about this, I didn't really want to teach about this because you know what, if I'm honest sometimes, I'm not a good first-time obeyer sometimes. I'm a ramp-up-to-obedience kind of guy. You know, I feel the need for more information. Uh, I need to be in the right mood. I should have probably had a cup of coffee first. You know, all of these things. But as a child of God, do I obey him? As a child of God, do I remember that he's Lord? As a child of God, do I revere him? Do I revere the empty tomb as well as they revere the tomb of the unknowns? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You see, obedience has right actions. Okay, well, let's take a look at it. Some other verses. In Colossians, it says this, children, obey your parents in everything. Okay, now this is a hard one, okay? Kids, because you're saying, I obey like 80% of the time. Well, that's good. In school, you're getting a good grade. You might even end up on the honor roll. But with God, it's all pass fail. And he's saying, I want you to obey your parents and everything. And you're saying, well, well, but I'm just a kid and that's too much. No, that's a really bad excuse because I can use the same one. I'm just your kid. I know I'm 53, but I'm just your kid. When we trust the people God puts in authority over us, we're really saying that we trust God. When we obey the person that's over us, we're really saying we obey God. And that's how it works. Because obedience is about right actions. Here's here's what it says a little bit more about that. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Now, we don't live in the world of slavery as much anymore. Praise God. But sometimes... He does feel like a slave master. She does feel like a slave master. So he he goes from the realm of what we think is just for little kids to he goes, now he's messing because he's talking about the world most of us live in. Most of us are employed. Slaves, employees, obey your earthly masters. He's telling us to be right. And we're going, this is one of those areas we have the exception applied. And we go, but my... Master is not a Christian. If he were a Christian, I'd have to obey him. But since he's not, I'm off the hook. No. That's not what God's words teaches. Romans 13 says what? He has placed everybody in authority over us. And then what does it say again in the beginning of Ephesians? It says everything is under his feet. So um, everybody in authority is there because he's put them there. So without realizing it, what we're saying is we're going, God... You know, if this person went to church, I'd listen to them. But since they don't, I don't have to listen to them. And then we even expand that. We go, God, I watch the kind of Christian this person is. And if they were a better Christian, then I would, I would do better at listening to them. But they're not a very good Christian. See, people need to earn my respect. That's what we say today, right? People need to earn my respect. And if you earn my respect, then I'll obey you. That is not biblical. That isn't biblical. I, my, my father, my stepfather didn't have to earn my respect so I would listen to him. 
Your employer does not have to earn your respect. You're just supposed to listen to him. See, it's, it's so hard because we want to just leave all these things down here horizontal. And God is saying, I, this is all under my authority. And we're going, without realizing it, whenever we do this, we're really just saying, I don't think so, God. I don't think so. I don't have to listen to that person. Now, have you ever had a boss that's hard to listen to? Does anybody have a poster child for that one? Okay, I do. Unreasonable. Harsh, insensitive, head of Jerktown. Yeah, yeah, that person, yeah. So there's right actions that go along with obedience, but, but then God goes one step further and he says this. In his word he says, well, Ephesians 2 A says, honor your father and mother. So not only are we supposed to have right actions, but we're supposed to have right attitudes. And and this idea isn't new. This has been around since the beginning of the law. You know, honor your father and mother, blah, 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 blah. It's in the Ten Commandments, both of them. And we go, well, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a right actions but right attitude but see this is exactly where jesus was coming from all the time if you ever read the sermon on the mount the sermon on the mount was about i want to talk to you about more than just your actions i want to talk to you about your attitudes remember when he said what did he say you have heard it says thou shalt not murder well i'm going to tell you that if you have an attitude of hate that's murder and that's wrong he said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, well, I'm going to update it. I'm, I'm going to talk about your attitude of adultery and the lust in your heart. You see, God's word, a worthy walk, a wise walk, is about more than just simply doing the right thing. It's having the right attitude while you're doing the right thing. You know, there's a day, and it's all the way back in Genesis, it says, therefore you shall leave your father and mother, and you shall cleave to your wife, and you shall be one. There's a day when, when we no longer are under that authority. <laughs> but honor is not something that ends, even though obedience can change. One of the advice I give young couples is, is you know, you have to decide how you ask for advice for people. Because if you ask for advice the wrong way, you're, you're allowing yourself to be put under somebody's authority. And when you don't take their advice, depending upon how you ask, when you don't do it, that can be considered rebellion against authority. Remember when you were younger and you'd, you'd want to seek advice on something and you kind of already knew what you wanted to do and you kept on going until you found somebody that agreed with you? And said, so I sought counsel. Obedience is about right attitudes. Um, you see this. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Honor is a great decoration. Isn't that cool? It's an, a wonderful accessory to your outfit. You know? 
yes, the earrings are nice, and it's nice to wear a nice ring, and you know, a piece of jewelry is nice, but the greatest thing that we can have is honor. It says this also in Proverbs. It says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. You know, it's really interesting. My, my father used to talk about this as a cop. He used to talk about the reality that God places us in different little boxes. And the first box that God puts everybody in is a family. And he says, and I've watched kids rebel against that authority. And then he says, so then God puts some other boxes around us. So the school can be a box. And he says, and I've seen them rebel against their parents. And I've seen them rebel against school. And he says, so then, so he says, and I work in the next box. I'm a policeman. So then God places that. He places this greater government thing around them. And some people rebel against that. And he said, and then they're dead. Because then they're in the hands of God alone. And he said, and that is a scary place to be when you're in rebellion. And he says, and, and Jimmy says, I got to be honest with you. As he's trying to teach me obedience, he's saying, I got to be honest with you and tell me, you know, and I didn't understand all this. I'm thinking, what in the world does the government have to do with the fact that I don't feel like cleaning my room? But dad saw this bigger picture. He lived in this bigger picture. Dad sometimes would overreact to a situation because he dealt with a jerk out on the highway and then I'd come home and shoot off my mouth a little bit and he wanted to make sure I never became the jerk on the highway. And so he would try to take care of it right then to make sure it would never happen ever. But see, there's right attitudes. I believe that in my disconnect, okay, this is going to be an honest moment, In my disconnect, in my ability to honor my stepfather, it affected so many other relationships as as an adult. Until I learned the gift of honor there, it affected so many relationships because I gave myself permission to not be a person of honor. Go on, this is what it says when it's talking about the employer-employee relationships, it says, slaves obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. So you're supposed to look at whoever that is and say, you know, I'm, I'm not really working for you. I'm working for Jesus. Yeah, you're being kind of a jerk today and It's hard to honor you, but I love Jesus so much that I'm going to do my best in spite of you instead of because of you. It's it's about honor. It's about the right attitudes. It says more of that. It says, "Not not by eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of God. Have you ever watched employees do this? The boss is there and they're like, hey boss. And they just kiss up to him. There's no other way to put it, right? But then as soon as he leaves, I can't stand him at all. I hope that isn't us as believers. When I worked at American Express, my saddest moments were when people would profess their faith to me and they were lousy employees. I'd be like, you're killing me here. I'm trying to stand for Jesus in this job, but you're talking like you're a part of the Kumbaya Choir and the way you're acting, nobody at work likes you. Not because of your personality, but because of your work ethic. You forgot 
that you're not working for the man. You're working for the Lord. It's really hard sometimes, especially when you had the poster child, you know, of the worst boss in the world. It was really hard in those moments to remember, I'm working for the Lord. Because you felt like, I am working for Satan. You know, that's how it felt at that moment, didn't it? But God was telling you in his word that you were working for him. Obedience involves right attitudes. Obedience has outcomes too. In Ephesians chapter 2, it, it reminds us that to obey parents is the first commandment with a promise that it will go well with you and that you will live long in the land. The bottom line is, is if we start having actions and attitudes of obedience, they have ramifications for the rest of their lives. I look at the exception clauses that I allowed to put into my mind, especially with my stepfather for a while, and the ramifications to that for me as an adult were huge. I, I can't even begin to tell you how huge they were. I, I was this close to being fired once because the boss reminded me too much of my father, and I gave myself permission not to honor him. So God is calling us to, to better outcomes. It, it says the same thing. It says, when it's speaking of the slave and the master, it says, knowing that whatever, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this will he receive back from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And so in other words, you've got to remember, it's not about the paycheck. It's not about the man. It's always about the Lord. And there is this way that he will reward us even in the midst of some really, really hard things. But we have to remember that we're always under his authority and everything is under his authority and nothing happens without it. He's never surprised. You know, when you're going to him and saying, God, I can't believe how the boss is treating you. And you go, he's not going to go, I know. I never saw that coming. God is not going to do that. God is placing us in situations where he thinks we can be successful even though they're hard. God never puts us anywhere to fail. God always places us in every place he does so that we can succeed. Authority has guardrails, though. And this is the other part of it. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there is a sense that God's Word says there shouldn't be a harshness to make people obey. There shouldn't be a harshness. Do not provoke your children to anger. Does that mean that a parent won't make their kid angry? I think you're not doing your job if they're not angry sometimes. You know, they're, they're not going to, every day they don't wake up going, how can I obey you, oh dear father? What would thou have me do? They don't even speak in King James for first of all. But second of all, it's not like that. But we need to be careful to not be harsh. And I think that one of the reasons that sometimes we're harsh is because we're impatient and we're tired and we're exhausted from living our own lives. And we give ourselves permission, but it's not right. There's always, the Spirit is always in your head saying, I know you need to say that, but I'm not sure you need to say it that way. Does that make sense? The other guardrail, the other side, is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, there's two ends to this. There are some people, and their struggle is being harsh, but there's a struggle on the other side, which is, the I, I hear this every once in a while. Have you ever heard this one? I just want to be their friend. You know? 
Um, we, we, all, we sit down and we reason these things out. No, you are the parent. And you have to teach them obedience. And do you know why you have to teach them obedience? Because they're going to spend the rest of their lives having to be obedient. At what point have any of you stopped being under authority? Okay, Some of you who are retired, are you still under authority? Yeah, you are. You're either under authority of the person you married because now you're in their house. Okay? But you're always under somebody's authority. There are still rules that you have to follow. There's a way that things have to be done. We're always under authority. And so we can be harsh. We can be a pharisaical in what we do. That, the Word of God says, is wrong. But we can be on the other side of it and saying, well, they'll just figure it out. I don't want to force my... I hear this one from parents sometimes. I don't want to force my religion on them. I just want them to figure it out. No, you have to teach them and train them and explain it to them. We're not supposed to be permissive to be a person of authority. You know, and some of that, you watch that. I, the funniest people, and I've even had this experience myself, the funniest people are people that are promoted from in a group to be in charge of the group. And they say, I'm going to be the coolest boss ever. You know, and these people are going to get along so well because we've been friends and we get along really well. It, it All of a sudden, you being in charge of other people, even if they were your dearest friends, all of a sudden they're like, come on, we're friends. Well, you still have to do it, you know? So there are these guardrails. There are the same guardrails for the employers. It says, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Don't be harsh. Don't show partiality. Don't be permissive. Be an authority instead of trying to be a friend. So here's some closing questions on this whole idea of learning to walk in obedience. First one is, in your mind, when is obedience optional? In your mind, when, when do you allow it to be optional? You know? Second question. How did your parents shape your attitudes and actions of obedience? I I think this is really interesting because, see, God creates this incubator called the family to train us so that we can live in this thing called the world. How did they do? Uh, I had to be honest and say that my parents did a good job at teaching me obedience, but they didn't do such a good job sometimes at teaching me about honor. They had some prejudices. And I can live them out pretty easily. I had to learn more about honor, even though I knew a lot about the action of obedience. And the last question, in what places is it easy to question God's authority? Okay? And you're saying, well, what areas are under God's authority? Well, I think Ephesians made it pretty clear that everything is under his authority. And every person in authority is placed there by God. And we have to be careful because we give ourselves permission to stop the action and the attitude of obedience in areas of our lives. 
Every one of us needs to continue to grow in this idea called obedience. And see, the bottom line is, is without realizing it, whenever we decide not to obey, we're not just saying to that person because of this, and we usually have a reason why we don't. Okay? It might be just because I'm lazy today. I don't know what your reason is. Okay? But ultimately, we're saying that to God. God, you know, I just don't feel like it today. I know you made the heaven and the earth. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, blah, 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 blah. But I'm not going to do it. And so I think it's really important for us to realize that we're not going to experience the Spirit's feeling if we're the one that is constantly grieving the Spirit that is telling us what to do with the people that He's telling us to do it. And so this last part of the walk, this worthy walk, this wise walk, this Spirit-filled walk, is just simply learning to walk in obedience. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Dear God, I, I pray for the crowd today, and I pray for myself because there are certainly areas in each one of our lives where you speak truth, and we decide it's a suggestion instead of saying, yes, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would teach us how to obey you. God, as you have been placing areas in our life under the microscope during this conversation. <laughs> God, teach us to obey You in those things. God, I know that You desire so much for us that there's a road that You have for us that's, that even though it's narrow, it's wonderful. And I pray that instead of bucking the road, we learn to walk it with worthiness and wisdom obedience. God, point out to us the patterns of disobedience and continue to change us into the likeness of Your Son. God, I am thankful that You forgive our disobedience, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our disobedience, that we can be right before You even as we're trying to figure out how to obey You better. I'm glad it's not based on the conditions of what we do, but I know that a part of our life is truly based on the consequences that we create by our obedience or disobedience. And so, God, teach us to trust You and teach us to obey You. We pray this in Your name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close? Every one of you had the Spirit of God do something that I could not do. The reason I did not create laundry lists about what you should do to obey or disobey is because the Holy Spirit does a much better job. And so as you walk out of here today, I pray that you are walking wisely, and I hopefully that you're walking in a worthy manner. But more than that, I pray that today you will walk one further step in the obedience that God has called you to. God bless you as you leave. Have a great day.